Well, good morning. How are we doing? It's quieter. It's that first week of school. I'm, they're feeling it too. No, it is that first week of school, and it's kind of that time of year where we're like adjusting to schedules and having a schedule. And I know for us, it's been the, the sports and the school and being places and trying to figure all that out as well as figure out our our lives and, and things going on and how we can help the schools and help the teachers and all that. But it's just a great time of year. We get to see that. One thing that's also great and exciting is the thing that we get to talk about with the announcements is having so much, but it's exciting because that means we're doing things. One thing that's hard is during summer is that we don't get to do as much as a church family. And so on our Wednesday nights and Thursday mornings and Bible studies and Sunday mornings, it is awesome to get to gather together and to be building those relationships again. Do you agree with that? you agree with that? We wake this morning, we here. We are here to gather in the house of the Lord. And it is an honor to be here and a privilege to be here. Uh, I'm excited because this last week was a hard sermon for me. And I don't know if it was as hard for you guys as it was me, but it was one of those that really hit home. Richard is an amazing preacher, an amazing teacher. And last week he, he brought it. <laughs> he, let, he reminded us of what Jesus is saying in, and how we have to be careful on how to judge each other. Be careful with how we talk to one another. We talked about how we're all broken and have fallen short of the glory of God. I cannot put myself where only God belongs as the rightful judge, but as Christians, we are obligated to stand firm on the truths of God's word. And as a church, we need to be equipped for the war that is being fought. Richard shared with us from Romans 14 right before we left, and that encouragement was to keep our eyes focused on God, right, instead of man. So esteem God, and that's so important for our lives. And so as I prayed and I looked at things this week, the thing that was my reminder was, was Daniel. Daniel, as a young person, <laughs> walked with God, and he was a prayer warrior. And Daniel faced some circumstances that were really tough. And so today we're going to do that together. We're going to look at Daniel and read through Daniel chapter 1. Looking at some things, things that we can be thankful for, things that we praise God for, and things that we can continue to pray through. Can we do that together this morning? So if you have your Bible with you, if you don't mind turning to Daniel chapter 1 with me, please. And we are going to read the whole thing, so you're going to have to bear with me here. I will tell you one of the fun things about doing this is I write all my sermons out. I don't type them first. I write them. And I don't like writing Nebuchadnezzar. I can't. I, can't, I was not having fun with that one, especially writing all this out and doing it. I was like, no, he became Nebi real quick. He became, he became Nebi real quick. So if you don't mind standing with me in honor of God's word as we read through Daniel chapter 1, that would be great says this, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. 
and to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them to daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to serve in the king's court. Among them, from the descendants of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them other names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief official not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel favor and compassion from the chief official. Yet he said to Daniel, My Lord, the king assigned your food and drink. I'm afraid of what would happen even if he saw your faces looking thinner than those of the other young men your age. You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard from the chief official had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to serve in the king's court in every matter of wisdom and understanding. The king consulted with them about he found them ten times better than all the diviner priests and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let us pray together. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you for your love and for your grace, Lord. Thank you for reminding us the importance of drawing nearer to you being quick to examine our own hearts before we look at faults of others, God, but also how to walk with each other and encourage one another. Help us to learn some things and take some things from, to, from your word of, to apply as, as we seek out what it looks like to have uh, spiritual disciplines in our life and to create habits that encourage us to walk closer with you so that we too can be a light to those around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things about Daniel, it was, if you guys didn't know this, I think we shared it at the mission trip uh, dinner, the banquet, was that a lot of our time in youth ministry, a lot of our extra things like youth camp and, and mission trip, and even when Mike Thibodeau came in the spring, had to do with the book of Daniel, right guys? And so it was cool to see that how um, most of what we talked about was being an influence and not letting wor the worldly thing influence us. And as we look at this passage, I kind of want to look at Daniel as a person. I want to look at him and some of the things that he walked through. I want to see that Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah faced these six circumstances. And I don't have time to do the whole backstory, but I do want to talk about what we do know today to give a little bit of context. We do start by Babylon taking over Judah, right? We know that. 
We know that this was important, and through this thing that was happening, was uh, there was killing, there was people being taken captive, there was uh, not a lot of pleasantry things happening. But if we go back to Jeremiah, we see the warning that Judah needed to change its ways, or they would be taken over by the Babylonians. And so as we look at some other passages, I want to encourage you guys to write these down. The passages were Jeremiah 24 and 2 Kings 24 and some others and Isaiah as well. Is you can go back and forth through there and see some things. We won't go all the way through there today. But it, there's some important things that are happening in this book that are amazing and point to the glory of God, right, and his authority that he has in this world. It is so awesome. He is so sovereign. And, the, and so as we look at God's sovereignty, we see throughout the whole book God working in the midst of these things that take place. So that is why we're going to take a look at Daniel, and I think that we have to take a look at what God does first in this chapter. So I'm going to have you guys write down three things first. God's going to do three things in the first part of this book, and that's in chapter 1. And that is this. In, chapter, in verse 2, he says what? He delivers Jehoiakim into King Nebuchadnezzar's hand. We see this, and because of that, we see the destruction of Judah and death to many, right? It says in verse 2, in verse... Uh, then he causes Eshpenaz to show favor to Daniel, which allowed him to do God's will, right? In verse 8, where we see that he did not want to defile himself, so he's trusting him. And then we also see what, that God also gave gifts to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And what this allowed them to do was climb to the ladder uh, to say, to reach parts of the Babylonian government that otherwise wouldn't be allowed, right? So they had some gifts that God has given them. And so we see God working in the midst of these things, and we see the punishment that is still going on and what's going to happen, and, but God is still working. So we have Daniel. Daniel faced some things. I believe Daniel walked through some adversity. I believe Daniel walked through some things that would challenge all of us, whether it was temptations to give into the world or the, the things around us, right? The desires, just think about that. You're being invited into this Babylonian, the king's chambers, per se, and you get to eat his food and drink his drink, and you get to study with his people, and you get to learn all these things. Because at this point, what we do know about Babylonia, right? Babylon is that they are, they are it. They are the growing empire. They are coming up. The strengths are growing at this point. And so one of these things that they get to work with that. And so we see Daniel, who is faithful, obedient, and humble. So we see God working, but then we also see Daniel being faithful, obedient, and humble. We see him being faithful because he must have known God's words and what God was doing and that God, trusting the fact that God will deliver him. And that faithfulness goes all the way to the fact that he didn't fight and poke through. He knew what was going on. He trusted in the word of God. We knew that he studied. We know that what he did because of who he was. And the background that he had says that they were knowledgeable, right? These men that they went to seek, these young boys that they went to find were knowledgeable. They're handsome. They had these characteristics. So Daniel had to be smart, but he was faithful to continue to what God called him to do. He knew that God would deliver him. And that faithfulness leads to obedience. That obedience that we see in chapter one, right? In verse eight is to not do what? defile himself right to stay true to what God's called him to do to not eat and drink of the things that the king wanted to give them but to stay exactly where he was and keep eating the things that he was supposed to eat and in the midst of that we also see Daniel being humble as we look at these passages just the beginning of seeing Daniel being humble but the importance of doing the things he's called him to do and how to walk with these Babylonians I think what speaks to that a little bit is the fact that 
since he got here and what we see if you look through the whole book of Daniel is the times where Daniel always pointed back to God. God never, Daniel never took ownership but always pointed back to God. In the midst of what he could have done is bicker and fight and push and, and at times probably make others get punished and do all that, he stood in front of them and he was humble and did the things that God called him to do to free others and to help others. And so what I believe these things show us a lot is what we can do is by having discipline and spiritual habits. I think that by looking at Daniel, not just in chapter 1, but though we see those things in Daniel chapter 1, is the discipline of these spiritual habits. And what I mean by that is Daniel obviously had to have something we talked about with the youth, is a discipline of study, right? He had to know the things that were going on. He had to know the things that... Um, the word was called him to do, and he must have spent time with God. And so studying, knowing these things, says that he was smart and intelligent. It's also saying that that's why he was chosen, so that they could bring him over to Babylon and teach him things. And so he hopefully he would forget all the things that God was telling him to do and become like them. But he didn't. Daniel was trained up. He was smart. He studied the word. If we take him in and see that, we see that it's also important to have a discipline of prayer our prayer life. It's also important to have a discipline of praise. And we see all three of these things in Daniel. As we see him being studied up, what I mean by that is he was doing the will of God. And we could see how important that was to Daniel. Whether it was getting in trouble for praying or, or wanting to stick to what God was calling to. He stood firm, had a strong foundation. I believe something that we have to understand in our lives is that the Bible is, is something not to be taken lightly, right? It is our daily bread, not as a dessert. We treat ourselves occasionally, but our daily bread, our substance that we need. Something that we <clears throat> have to have as a habit is, is spending time in that word daily. It's something that is alive and moving and important to us, and, and we have to be able to stay in the word. I believe that the discipline of study is, doesn't happen like that, but a discipline that is created over time. And in, just like anything else, that we do, the more time we put into something, the more we'll get out of it. And so I look at ourselves and my, myself in particular, but are we spending enough time in the Word? And is that at the center of our lives? Are we spending time studying the Word of God? So why is it important for us to study? I asked the students this question, and I told them that some of the cards would get written out loud. I would read them out loud. And I asked them, as we sat down last week, what are some of the things that we feel are important? Why do we study the Word of God? What are the, some verses that stand there? What are some habits? What does, it, what does it help us to create these habits of staying in the discipline of study? And I'm just going to read a few of these, ask you to encourage you to go talk to them a little bit more because it's just fun to keep reading through these cards. Few of them said this. There's no names attached, but a discipline of study is making it a habit, making time to study, fellowship. And part of that goes from what we learned on our mission trip was godly fellowship, a little bit deeper than just hanging out together, right? But godly fellowship, coming together to study God's word, to let God work in the midst of us and grow in our relationships. A godly fellowship. Go to people, having a good study and, and having good application. The Bible is God's word. We can apply that in our lives so it shows through us and we are able to share it with someone and ask questions. They put God is enough. 
To have a discipline of study is this, to have time of fellowship. To pray over it means not just to read it, but to actually pray through it, to look at Scripture and examine it, make time for it, take notes, read verses over and over again, apply it to something, and ask an adult if you're confused on something and take time to dive deeper into the Word, striving to understand and apply so we can live in a godly manner. It says God is perfect, and He is the only thing in this universe that can complete us. We might want the things of this world, but they won't make us happier. God will complete us and equip us. Spending time in the Word. Taking time to understand. Back to the fellowship. Fellowship was big. Making time to study God's Word is actually, and to write something down and to ask questions later. Don't just read it, but pray about it. God's Word is truth, and He wants us to live it out. So instead of just hearing the Word, we apply it to our lives and become disciples. Just by asking the students to write a few things down and to talk about it reminded me of uh, how important it is for, first of all, just as us as adults to set a tone, to be leaders, and to set examples of what it looks like each day to go into the Word and to dive into it, to take notes, talk to our kids about it. Richard talked about last week how the importance of seeing the things coming and looking at how hard it is to have real conversations with people already was meaning the importance that we as adults needed to stand with our kids and be prayerful with them and talk to them, communicate with them on how to share the gospel. But we also have to do that ourselves. And I think that's something that we have in our, in our small groups, in our, our life group times, in our Bible studies that meet throughout the week. Spending time together in true godly fellowship is so important. And it's a strong foundation that we have to live on. Scripture says this. These are some of the scriptures that they wrote down. 2 Timothy 3, 16 7. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training, for righteousness, so that man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Another verse was this. Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have to spend time in the word to know where God has taken us, to know how to walk with him. James 1, through 25 was another one. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. And then Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God helps us to see clear the importance of influence and it gives us the direction that we need to go and what we need to follow and the tools that we need to use in this world to stay strong and connected with God. Just like Daniel, we need to be Christians who stand firm and do not waver. The third thing that I think we see with Daniel is a discipline of prayer. We see Daniel praying over and over and over again. And it is one of those that, just like we talk with the kids, is so important and is a way of communication. And God wants to hear from us and desires relationship with us. 
And we asked these the same thing about prayer, of what makes prayer so important. And, and a lot of what we talked about was that very thing, the importance of communicating with God, going to God with the things, so because he's the only one that knows our true needs and the things that we really desire from him, growing in our walk with him. Prayer is so important. That was another thing we talked about, that Jesus taught us how to pray, right? Knowing who we're talking to, the importance of knowing that we're communicating with the God. James five thirteen through 20 says this, is is anyone among us you suffering? You should pray. Is anyone cheerful? Then you should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over him after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of sa- the faith will save a sick person, and the Lord will restore him to health. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. My brothers, if any among you strays the truth, someone turns him back, let him know that whatever turns a sinner from error in his way will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sins. Philippians 4, 5, and 7 says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Daniel was a prayer warrior. And we see him continue to go to God in prayer, even when he was challenged But he didn't just pray for himself. He prayed for the nation. He prayed for things to change. He asked God to reveal the things in the dreams so that he could interpret them. He prayed in the lion's den. And a verse a section I want to read real quick is, if you have your Bibles open to Jan- Daniel, if you want to jump over to Daniel chapter 9. I never really looked at it this way until I read it the last few weeks. But this kind of hit home to me. And I'm not sure what it was, but it, it really kind of hit me in a different place. And if we're just going to start in verse 3 where it says this. So I turned my attention to the Lord. God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting. Sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to your king, to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people in all the land. And if you want to, I'd encourage you, can you read that whole prayer? But the thing I wanted to focus on was that, was Daniel's mannerism and the way that he spoke. He didn't take himself out of the picture. Daniel was doing what God called him to do, and Daniel has been helping the situation, right? But Daniel never took himself out of the picture. When it came for praying for the nation, he never said, Man, God, they just keep messing up. Man, they keep failing. They keep doing this. What are we going to do? He said, we failed. 
And the reason why I bring that up is sometimes our prayer life looks a lot like what we talk about. Is, Man, I wish the rest of these people would get their act together. I wish these people would figure out what sin is so they could know how to walk. I wish this would happen. But instead of saying we're all broken and examining our own hearts and saying, God, how do we as a nation, our nation that we live in, how do we come together to glorify you? What does that look like for us? How do we come together and praying with one another, encouraging one another? Like we talked about last week, maybe it's not spending as much time examining what someone else is doing and why, but more reflecting on our own hearts and asking God to reveal to us how we can help and pleading with God and asking him to work in the midst of these things that are going on. Because like Daniel, he got to a place, the second dream, you guys remember that one where Nebi was going to lose everything, right? He's going to lose it all. And when Daniel went to talk to him about it, what did Daniel do? He pleaded for him. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to change your ways or God is going to take everything from you. You need to see everything about who God is and to worship him. Or you're going to be like a cow. You're going to be out in the pastures eating grass, right? That's what he says. But Nebuchadnezzar was so stubborn. Throughout this whole book, you see it, right? No matter what God showed him, he went back to me, right? It's all about me. Look what I did. Look what I built. Look at all the things that I've done. But still, Daniel pleaded for him. But are we pleading for our friends and our family members that don't know Christ? In our prayer life, are we going to God, asking him to work in the midst of our lives to see how we can better reflect the things that he's calling us to do? And are we going to them unconditionally, seeing how we can love them and support them, but also speak the truth that God has given us to do? So we have to continue praying. We have to continue praying for our children. We have to continue praying for our friends, our coworkers, our families, and trusting God in the midst of it. The last discipline that I think is very important, too, that we sometimes forget a little bit about is the discipline of praise. And when I look at the discipline of praise, I look at, look at it as worship and celebration, right? St. Augustine, Augustine said this, Christianity should be a hallelujah from the head to the toes because life is hard, but as Christians, we have every reason to celebrate, even in our loss or our defeats, we can continue to praise him. Doesn't mean that life is easier, but as Christians, we know, and we have, we have grace in us, we have love in us, we know Christ. And I still struggle with that. I think of times in my life where I was drawn near to God was out of, sometimes it was the hardships. I remember losing a friend in high school, committed suicide. And I remember it changed our whole entire high school. And we talked to the youth a lot about this. It was the weirdest thing. It was crazy to see how God worked, but people were coming to know God. People were coming to know each other, encouraging each other. And these walls just dropped. So even if we start to praise God, even in the hardships and the struggles, it's awesome when we fully have faith in him to see what he will do. I had a song to go with this because I know this heart is, um, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it's called Faithfully by Toby Mac. And I just printed out the lyrics because I wanted to just read part of it. If you didn't know the story, but Toby Mac lost his oldest son. You don't know that. And he walked through a hardship with that. And he struggled. And he, this last album that he had was to reflect like walking through life with Christ after death, like after losing someone you cared about. What does life look like? And in this, it says this, just reading the first verse. I encourage you to go look up the song, but just reading the first verse. 
He said, it's been a long year, and it almost took me down. I swear life was so good. I'm not sure we knew what we had. I'll never be the same man, and I'll never feel like I felt before, because it's been a long, hard year, and it almost took me down. But then he says this, but when my world broke into pieces, you were there faithfully. When I cried out to you, Jesus, you made a way for me. I may never be the same man, but I'm a man who still believes. When I cried out to you, Jesus, you were there faithfully. Even in the midst of our struggles and our hardships, we have a lot of, we can go back to, we can have hymns, we have even psalms that reflect the times of need when we wrote our praises and we sung our praises in the midst of defeat in our own struggles. But we continue to trust God in the midst of that. One thing I like here in, in Daniel is Daniel in chapter 2, verse 20 and 22 Daniel praises God, even in the midst of everything he's walking through. He says, praise God forever and ever because he has wisdom and power and he changes the times and the seasons of year. He takes away the power of kings and gives their power to new kings. He gives wisdom to those who are wise and knowledge to those who understand. He makes known secrets that are deep and hidden and he knows what is hidden in darkness and the light all around him. I think that's significant because Daniel continued to praise God and give thanks to God to where people noticed it, right? So much so that I think when we get to chapter four and we see, after we see what we see with Meshach, um, Meshach, and Abednego and making out of the furnace that King Nebuchadnezzar does what? He falls and says, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom, his everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Are we praising God in a way that other people see it? Are we praising God in a way that we're thankful for everything that he's done? Is it something that we only do here at church when we're together as a family? Are we taking time to praise God for every aspect of our life, the things that we have, houses over, roofs over our head, houses that we live in, places to go, things to eat? Are we praising God and thanking him in every aspect for the things we do have? Because there is a world out there watching and I think sometimes, to be honest, though, I think the world sees us and they see us bickering. They see us fighting. They see us complaining. And we are so quick to judge. We are so quick to throw things back at them that we're never quite reaching them. I was inspired by a class Dale was teaching this Wednesday. So thank you, brother, for that with the youth about how to, how to reach Mormons and how to talk to them, have godly conversations. And I think that's important because it goes exactly with what we're talking about. Are we so quick to put up a barrier to think that we're right? about everything or are we going to be quick to listen and go talk to somebody have a godly conversation and point people to the right way what do we need to get correct so that we can have go have the right conversations in the world today whether it's with other religions whether it's people that are struggling with homosexuality whatever that it is are we making ourselves available to have a godly conversation are we being a light in the world and it's a great class and there's a lot more to it so I don't want to <laughs> but that hit home to me of and just like everything else, taking time to examine our own hearts is so much more important so that we know how we can handle the things of this world and go talk to people, go reach people that are lost. So by having these spiritual habits, we become more disciplined. Just like Daniel studied and he prayed and he praised God. He was humble and realized that everything was because of God and it was for God. 
And we have these mountaintop experiences because of God, and he's with us in the valley experiences, right? He's with us always. And the part that we have to get right is are we taking enough time to see God in the midst of both of those things, in those highs and in those lows? Are we taking time to be in the word, to pray with our kids, pray with our families, pray with our friends, to know how to pray, to have those conversations, to know how the Holy Spirit works with us. God communicates with us through his word. It's alive and it's active it's moving. So much so as it teaches us and shows us the difference between looking at the heavenly things and the earthly things, how we're examining our hearts. So as we're closing this morning, and as we're thinking about how we're going to approach this week, And we see Daniel praying in chapter 9, how he's saying, God, I need to own some things. We've, we've messed up. We've looked at some things the wrong way. We've forsaken you. And he says that we have failed. And also because where Daniel is with God, it's what he sees as King Nebuchadnezzar as he pleads for him, interprets second dreams, keeps moving forward. The hard part is what we know about the story is Nebi didn't listen, Right? Nebuchadnezzar did not listen until what? He lost everything. And then those last breaths right before he lost everything was this. But look what I've done and look at who I've been and look at the kingdom I've built. But that's what it took, him losing everything to see God in all of his glory. So my prayer is with that is what is it what are the things that we need to get rid of in our lives so that we can see every bit of what God's desire is for us? What do we need to ask God to reveal in us? Whether it's a certain attitude about certain people or different things, how do we have the right conversations? Are we spending time in the Word, having a discipline of study? Does it look like for you every day, getting in the Word with someone to have a conversation? Spending time in prayer. Are we spending time in prayer praying for others in groups even, but even alone, getting in a way, letting God just really speak to our hearts. And are we spending time praising God and thanking him for what he's given us and what we have? And are we showing people that heart, that we trust God, just like Daniel does, something that we see that we talk about, right? No matter what the circumstance, are we gonna trust God no matter what the circumstance? And do we love God no matter what the circumstance? But I say that with this. These spiritual disciplines that I hope we can take with us, they don't save us, right? These habits help us to grow deeper with God, but they don't save us. And so if you're asking yourself, man, I, I'm just wrestling with this, and I don't understand. I have these questions and these doubts and these fears, and I don't even know God. I don't have that relationship. Please come forward. We would love to pray with you as Mr. Wells comes up and is going to lead us here in just a second. Is that reminder how important it is to have your own relationship with God and to see how God is going to work. And as we leave this place today, for those of you that are saved, just like we asked this morning, we all know somebody that's not saved, right? We all know somebody and talk to somebody that doesn't know Christ. What is the example that we set? Are we taking time to look at our own hearts and being available to those people? For parents, for your kids, are you available to have the hard conversations? Are you praying about those hard conversations? 
Are you praying about the things that you don't even see yet and the things that you hope that you won't have to see for a while? Are you praying for future spouses? Are you praying for things going in front of them, trusting God with all this stuff? Grandparents, are you involved with your kids and grandkids? Are you praying with them, encouraging them? We talk about generation to generation and things are getting harder and in this world and in this country, things are difficult and it's hard to have those conversations. But are we praying with our families in those generations, those generations, and those generations? How do we respond? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we come together, God, and I ask you as you're revealing these things in my own heart, God, that remove those things that are keeping me from drawing near to you. God, help me to see you clearly each day. What are the habits I need to get rid of and what are the habits I need to start? And God, many, many of us are looking for and, and trying to find somebody maybe that we can pray with. God, help us to see maybe a friend that we can have that we can walk through life with that can encourage our hearts and, and pray with us and hold us accountable and all those things, God. But just stir us up as a church. Help us to see you clearly. Spending time examining our hearts and getting rid of the things we don't need. Take us and make us all you want us to be, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.